This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's Corey Poirier, back with the latest episode of the Let's Do Influencing show. Really excited to have the guest that we have with us today. She's a leading career and influence expert, a best-selling author, a CEO, and celebrated motivational speaker whose teachings have already inspired millions. The guest I'm speaking of is Lisa Nichols, and I share that bio. That is uh, certainly not all that makes Lisa Lisa, as you're going to find out in this interview. So thank you for taking the time to tune in and here's my conversation with Lisa Nichols. So Lisa it's so fantastic to have you with us today I'm really excited for this interview and I actually had some questions uh, on Facebook when I posed the question uh, does anybody have any any questions they'd like me to ask so I have a couple of questions I'm going to ask a little bit later but before we jump too far ahead Lisa I'd love for you if you don't mind to tell us a little bit about your journey. So one I, I think I, I represent I represent that man, that woman um, that just wouldn't quit. If you ask me to summarize my story, um, you know, it's almost like you look at a movie and, 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 and not to promote any particular movie like, like Rocky. Rocky, uh, when Rocky's in the final fight and Rocky keeps getting knocked down and you're going, get up one more time. And even though we all know the end, because we've seen Rocky one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's that moment when you wonder, are you going to get up? I think I represent for people that getting back up one more time. So if you look at my story, my story has an immense amount of success, but what people resonate with are the obstacles and the hurdles. Personal, me not believing in myself in 1994, being broke and broken, and building my career, uh, 80 pounds overweight, um, struggling with my self-esteem, being functionally dyslexic. I didn't find out until I was 25 years old that I was, in my mid-20s, I should say, I was functionally dyslexic. The last time I took an English class, I received a fail in English. And the last time I took a D-minus class, I received, uh, 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 last time I took a speech class, I got a D-minus. And my speech teacher said, "Miss Nichols, I, I recommend you get a desk job and never speak in public. And so when I look at my career now, and I look at the fact that I have uh, seven bestsellers that I'm attached to, when I look at the fact that I have an international brand um, and I'm considered one of the most sought after speakers in the, in the industry, it, it really is a story of get up one more time. Just get up. Don't count how many times you've been knocked down. Just get up one more time. And then when you're up, what are you gonna do with it? Are you gonna walk? Are you going to crawl? Are you going to run? Are you going to soar? And on any given day, you might do any one of those four options. Some days I don't get up and soar. I just get up and walk. But at least I'm in movement. And so I represent ordinary people choosing every day to make one more extraordinary decision. 
that if I play today right on the other side of my comfort zone, who can I be? Who can I become? Who can I inspire? What difference can I make? And not only their life, but what difference can I make in my life? I'm a mom. I'm a mom who wanted to rescue herself from herself. I wanted to rescue my son from uh, this uh, future of scarcity and lack. So initially when I started my journey, I was trying to outrun broke. And I was trying to outrun broken. I wasn't running toward anything. I was trying to outrun my old lifestyle, outrun my old behaviors, outrun my self-doubt, outrun you know the toxic behaviors that I didn't even know I had. And then somewhere along the line, in the midst of running, I stopped trying to outrun something that was I'm trying to get away from, and I start running toward something. I start running toward abundance. I start running toward prosperity. I start running toward peace of mind. And so you ask about my life, and I look at it at an 80 thousand foot level i think i'm just an example for some not for everyone but i'm an example living breathing walking talking sort of spicy example that your past doesn't equal your future and that you are holding the pen in your hand to write your life story and it doesn't matter what chapter two what chapter 20 or what chapter four look like what matters is the chapter that you're writing now Wow. So Lisa, that's, you know, we've, we've jumped in pretty deep already. So I'm probably going to jump in with a question that I don't have many questions that I ask this question to everybody, but this is one of those questions. And I usually leave it for near the end, but I feel for whatever reason today, it's, it's meant to be asked right now. So yeah. here's my big question uh, in that regard. If you could jump into, uh, well, I guess I'll say it this way. If you could jump into a time machine and go back all, and I'm going to say, normally I say pick the age, but in your case, go back to whenever you were struggling financially and you were saying, you know, I don't know what's going to happen next. If you could jump in a time machine and go back and talk to that Lisa Nichols and give her a piece of life advice. So now I'm thinking of also that person that's wanting this advice who's maybe in that situation. But what do you think you might tell her based on what you've learned since? You know, I, I, uh, I've gotten this question before and I love it. Like, what would I tell my 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 young 20 to 25 year old lisa you know i think when i think about the time i need them i needed the most holding <laughs> it was in that window what would i tell her i would tell her a few things number one i would tell her that she wasn't that she's not stupid she's not she has special learning style but that she's okay I would, I would remind her that beauty gets to come in every form with mocha lips and mocha, mocha skin and full lips and round hips and kinky hair that she is her own unique version of beautiful. I would tell that Lisa that while she's building the mega empire that's on its way to take time to enjoy the fact that every day there is a unique sunset and every morning there is a unique sunrise. And when it's risen and when it's set, it doesn't come back again, so don't miss too many. I would tell that Lisa that money is not the end goal. Money is a team member and a tool that simply gives her access to better memories.
but to chase the memories, don't chase the money. And I would tell her two more things. I would tell her that it's okay that she's not gonna be able to bring everyone along the journey. It's okay to not beat herself up too much when she has to choose to leave someone behind. And finally, I would remind her that it's in her imperfection that people are going to find themselves. It's in her imperfection that people are going to use her as a role model. It's never gonna be in her perfection. It'll be in her imperfection. So be free to do her. Don't try to do anybody else. Just master her. That's what I would tell her. So here's uh, the follow-up question to that. Would she listen <laughs> at that age? Was she ready for that? She would listen to some of it. Mm -hmm. She would listen to some of it. Um, some of it, she, her chatter in her own head about her own doubt, her own limiting beliefs, her own, her own worry and desire to be accepted, her own fear of being abandoned, her, her limiting beliefs would cause her to dismiss some of it. Not because she doesn't need it or want it, but because the chatter in her own head is too loud. So she probably wouldn't be able to hear everything I'm saying. She'd only hear a piece of it. But Lisa then was good for taking information that sounded as if it made sense, even if she didn't understand it, and she would put it in her back pocket. She wouldn't use it then. She wouldn't live it out then, but she had this storage cabinet that had nuggets of information from wise people that she didn't know what to do with. I literally remember the age I was when people would tell me things and I didn't do anything with it. And then 15 years later, I go, hmm, I see that point. So she would, she would take in some of it and she would put the rest in her back pocket that she couldn't hear yet. So I was going to ask you, when you mentioned about people that are maybe don't realize that what they're looking for is just outside their comfort zone, or they don't realize that maybe they're just a step away. I was going to ask you why you think people don't take that step by nature based on what you've seen, but a secondary part, not to, not to add a second question in, but then I started thinking about these people that maybe are naysayers or uh, say you can't do that because. So maybe it's a two-part question, but why do you think people don't take that step? And what do you tell people to say whenever somebody maybe, for lack of a better way of saying, it spreads hate to them? Maybe it's not hate, right. but sometimes maybe it is. So I'm just wondering, right. you know, it's two questions in one. but Absolutely. I love both questions and I welcome both questions. Um, the first part, um, people don't go outside of their comfort zone uh, and they don't stretch beyond what they know because, and this is a phrase I say all the time, people become more committed to a familiar the word is familiar, a familiar discomfort, then they are committed to an unfamiliar, keyword is unfamiliar, circle and underline unfamiliar, new possibility. I'll say that again. People are more committed to a familiar, the keyword is familiar, a familiar discomfort, something they don't like, something they don't want, something they're tired of, then they are committed to an unfamiliar, something new, something never, possibility. Key phrase, people who don't like their jobs. They don't go get another job because they know this job. They don't like it, they just know it. It's familiar. People who are in an unhappy relationship. They want something better, but they're not going anywhere. They're not doing anything to make it better because they're familiar with it. 
And so what I've learned is that we want to invite in transformation and change and leave discomfort and inconvenience out the door. And we have to welcome them both in. I need to be uncomfortable. I need to be inconvenienced. I need to be nervous. I need to be in the unknown to have transformation. And those four things, that makes people tap out. Like, I tap, I tap out, never mind. I'll just take this right here. I'll take this right here. And then to your second question, what do you say to naysayers? You know, I, <laughs> so funny, because uh, I'm a dreamer. I've always been a dreamer. I've always seen way beyond where I am. It's just, I have to dial myself back a lot so that I don't overwhelm and strain my friendships and my relationships because I'm always thinking way out there. And what I realize is that I can expand my compassion as the dreamer to the naysayers. It's not about them. They're not doing anything wrong. Like when I got this, I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. It's not their job to get my vision. That's that simple. I can give you some long answer, but really, it's no one's job to get your vision. Like I call them God, you call them whatever you choose. I'm not here to impose my belief system on you or anyone listening. But God didn't, if no one else gets your vision, it's because God didn't give your vision to them. God gave your vision to you. You're the only one. You are the midwife or the mid-husband. You're the midwife of your vision. And so to ask someone to understand it, get it, and support it, and you're still getting clear on it, it's really an unrealistic request. You know, when I was building this career, I called it Motivating the Masses. I named my company Motivating the Masses in 1997. I hadn't talked to not the masses. I hadn't talked to one person. I hadn't talked to anybody. And my, my girlfriend and I stood in the business, you know, business bureau, and she was like, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to motivate everybody. She said, everybody? I said, yes. She said, well, then let's call it motivating the masses. I was like, sounds good to me. Had no idea how I'd get there. It wasn't until 10 years later, that was 1997. It wasn't until 2007 that I even motivated the masses. 10 years of birthing it. Who am I to hold my family, which I did by the way, hold my family hostage to get in my vision. You guys don't support me. You don't love me. Like I didn't even know what it was going to look like. And so um, I really have a compassionate stand for people who, who don't choose to support. It's like they don't see enough evidence. In the court of law, you got to show evidence. And when you show evidence, all of a sudden the game changed. So I'm a big person on evidence these days. Show evidence of your dream. Take it out of your head. Put it in front of you. Show something tangible. Put something on the calendar. Produce a result. Because the more evidence you accumulate, the more people will begin to align with your vision. Love that. And so Lisa, I'm going to switch over to a couple of questions because I want to make sure I get the, the questions asked. And then if we have time, I'll circle back to a couple more that I have. But, um, and, and I hope I pronounced her name right. Uh, I think it's Fazilet Esmail, and I probably have that slightly wrong. Uh, so I apologize in advance if I do. Uh, but she had a question, and I'm going to ask you a question before the question. One is about how big of a game changer was the secret? I guess is because she asked, she didn't ask about the secret specifically, but she used the word secret in the question. So I, I wanted to ask that question before I go into her question, because I think that's something people would want me to ask about. Yes. Um, so what the secret was for me is not what it was for everybody. So it's really important to know that I'm going to, I'm going to answer you through my lenses. So um, through my lens, um, the secret was a huge game changer um, for me because I am a leverage queen. So I learn how to leverage a situation. I know how to go, hold on. I don't want this moment to be a benefit for me right now. I want this moment to be a launch pad 
for me. So when I was on Oprah and when I went on Larry King, it was more than 15 minutes of fame for me. I set up an infrastructure and a system behind me so there was a launch pad. Um, I didn't try to get uh, a speaking engagements for a fee for a fee because it also was the same time as the economic recession in the United States, remember. And so I didn't come with a big fee like many of the teachers from The Secret. I actually came significantly under theirs so I can have more visibility. So I had a strategy to acquiring and achieving my abundance. So I was building my individual brand. So I leveraged The Secret probably more than anybody else leveraged it. That's most, some people made far more money than me initially. Um, but what I did was I rode a wave and I kept creating a bigger wave and I created a tsunami. And I'm still to this day, um, now 11 years later, I'm still waiting on the phone to one day stop ringing uh, from what started then. And so um, it was a huge game changer for me. And it wasn't about the fame in the moment. It wasn't about Larry King. It wasn't about the Oprah moments, those were huge and they did something. It was about the behind the scenes strategies that I used to leverage the opportunity and create long-term abundance in my life. Now, did you see, and I'm always curious about this whenever, you know, it's like the song that somebody writes and you know, they, they write the song and then years later, you're like, I wonder, did they know that they sense it was a hit? You know, I was just right. I went to a show, a guy named Gordy Sampson who wrote Jesus Take the Wheel. And so uh, the Carrie Underwood song. And so I asked him, I said, Gordy, you know, did you I know? love that song. I love that song. It's brilliant. And it actually, uh, where it came from is he's from Cape Breton in Nova Scotia in Canada. And he heard about this lady who uh, went off the road and how she doesn't know what saved her. And it was so, mm. it actually was inspired by a real story that he heard in the news. Mm, 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 mm. But I asked him, did, did you know that was a hit? And he said, I could feel there was something there. But I didn't had no idea that it would grow, you know, for a, a guy from that small part of the world to win a Grammy Award for his song. He had no idea. Yeah. So my yeah. question, you probably see where this, this is coming from. Yeah. I wonder, did you sense or did people sense that the secret was going to be big based on what you've seen? Or did it seem like it could go somewhere or it might not? I'm just curious what the feel was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Again, through my lenses, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was in the secret with some of the most brilliant minds on the planet today. Bar none. Bar none. Their dinner dessert conversation requires my absolute concentration and me to record it and listen to it later so I can understand what they were saying. Like they're talking quantum physics over dinner dessert, right? Like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, right? And so I believe that some of my colleagues um, and some of my friends could see the possibility. I'm gonna share something with you that might shock you. It may change your opinion of me, I'm not sure. Um, I, I believe the truth is sexy. But when Rhonda Byrne came to our event, uh, we were at a private uh, event uh, for thought leaders. And when she asked us to talk about the law of attraction and to, she wants to do this project called The Secret, I had no idea what she was talking about. I had no idea what the law of attraction was. Um, you call it different things in different faiths. You know, in my faith that come raised as a Baptist, as a Christian, it was ask, believe, receive. Ask God and have unwavering faith that it's going to happen. So it sounded like faith. It sounded like ask what you want. I didn't know about law of attraction. I didn't know about quantum physics. I didn't know about. So I'm sitting there, believe it or not, I'm sitting there on the front row at this meeting and 
everyone's listening to her and everyone's looking like they're understanding her like oh yes and so i'm just nodding too like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i have no idea corey what this woman is talking about plus she has on all these colors and she has a red rhinestone in the middle of her head and she has a thick australian accent i can barely understand her i'm super add so i'm distracted by the red stone and, and the like tutu dress skirt that she had on and then i'm it's quantum physics law of attraction da, 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 and she kept saying secret by the time she ended i said hmm this lady got some secret about some law I have no idea what you're talking about. And so I wasn't going to do it, the secret. I wasn't going to do it. I didn't want to be in it. I, she asked us to raise our hand. Who wants to be a part of it? I didn't raise my hand because I didn't know what she was talking about. And uh, so I didn't raise my hand and she points at me and she goes, I've been recommended that you should be in it. And I was like, ruh roll. And I ran back to my room and I tried to research. I researched the wrong word. I started researching secret. And at that time, it didn't exist. So there was nothing on Google about the secret. I didn't look up the law of attraction because I didn't even understand that that's what she was. I, I didn't even know. And so all the way up to me going into the room to recording, I'm going, I don't know what this woman is talking about. And I wouldn't tell anyone because I didn't want to confirm that I was an idiot. And, um, and that's how I was feeling. I was feeling really like exposed. And, and so I go into the room and she says, so Miss Nichols, please tell us. And then I just, in that moment, I just released to God and I said, God, you will never leave me nor forsake me. You will never make a fool of me. I'm just gonna answer her questions. I might not ever use the word law of attraction or secret, but I'm just gonna answer her question. So a year later when the premiere came out and she interviewed 54 people, only 26 got in. So I knew I wasn't in it. I'm like, well, I know I ain't in it because I'm the only one in the room who doesn't know what the secret is. And uh, I, my face comes up and I just start laughing. And everyone looks at me because it wasn't a funny moment. And I'm laughing that I made it in. And then a year after that, she calls me back and says that they they've gotten so many requests to have more of me in it that then we recorded the second version, which was the final version, where I went from being in the secret four times to being in the secret about 18 times, have 18 appearances. So to answer you, very long way, a long way to answer you. I had no idea because I had no idea what it was. All she kept asking me, Corey, was, can you, all I understood that she said in her thick Australian accent with her red rhinestone was, can you help me serve all of humanity? Can you help me serve all of humanity? So I just said yes to that. I'm like, mm, sounds good to me. I'm, I'm gonna be here anyway. Might as well help serve all of humanity. So the fact that it's in the Guinness Book of World's Record as the broadest single piece of work, touching the most languages, the most origins in the world, literally is the result of her intention. And I had no idea it'd be that. And I had no idea that I would be such a contribution to that because hundreds, millions of people wrote in and said, in your, cause I, was, I didn't know law of attraction. So I kept it really simple. I kept it really simple. So what happened was I began, I, I became the onboard to people learning about the law of attraction. I was the onboard. So I was the person who, I never heard of this before, but I understand what that lady's saying right there. And so my naivete and my lack of knowing all of those great phrases and all that brilliant stuff that my friends knew literally was the bridge for millions of people to be able to entertain the conversation. And I had no idea would do any of that. Wow. Yeah. So I didn't now know. you know the behind the scenes stories. I hope you're not totally 
uh, like your whole image of me is not totally thrown. Like, wow, we thought she knew what she was talking about. No, no. The, the truth is that I think that even makes it this story more endearing. I think that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, people love yeah. those vulnerable stories, right? And I have yeah. to say, it's funny because I didn't have a clue what the law of attraction was when it came out either. And the only thing that to me was even close to helping me understand it, even after I saw it, I'm going to show you, this wasn't intentional, but it's sitting here for a reason. Uh, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that book, my he never says the words, but he talks about drawing things to you and being a magnet. And so it's like, that's the only introduction I had is because I had already read that book, but that's it. Right, 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 right. And I, I, all of a sudden when I did the pro project, I started hearing it everywhere. It just brought to your awareness all the times. I searched the Bible for all the places it says, ask, believe, receive. I'm like, oh my God, this has been around us all this time. And so, yeah, so thank you for that. Thank you. Awesome. No, my pleasure. And so I guess I better get back to that original question that I had for you. Um, so her question, I'm looking at it right now to make sure I get it right, is what is the secret of your success and how does one get there? And I know that's, you know, you dedicate lots of time to answering that one question. That's a big question. Um, so I don't know how you want to maybe tackle that, but I know that's a big question. Um, you know, I, I, I would say it isn't a secret. Um, it, it, it's, it's simply that uh, I, I, where other people stop, I continue to go the extra mile. Uh, so, so many people stop right before they get to the finish line because you have your timeline on how soon you think it should happen. You know, we're in a day where we think that everything could be microwaved, like our hot water, our tea. We think everything, our success, we think our relationships, we think our weight loss, we think everything happens in a microwave and it doesn't. Uh, we think we can Google download everything really fast and get it. We're in a society where I was willing to, you know, I put 10 years in before the secret. You know, and so if you ask me the secret to my success, there's several things. Write this down. Number one, my mindset. I invest in my mindset. I find great coaches. I study online programs. I'm doing an online program now. It's um, called Abundance. And, and, and what I love about this program is creating an abundant life is that first I just work with your mindset so you understand what an abundant life is. It's not just having all the toys. It's not just traveling the world, an abundant life. That's a wealthy life. An abundant life includes your relationship, your spirituality, it includes your health, and it includes your finances. So first, I invested in my mindset so I can understand a bigger, better game. So if you want to know what I did, here's the secret. Now, here's the, here's the deal. I tell these all the time. Most people want a different answer because the answer isn't, it, it, it doesn't include the elevator to the top. It includes the stairs to the top. So number one, I invested in my mind. You know, in my book, Abundance Now, I really talk about what got me to the point of taking my company public because everyone wants to know and everyone asks me that same question, Corey, how'd you do it? I'm like, okay, listen, it's not fast, but I can give you the steps. Are you willing to do it? The second thing is I link myself up with a tribe of people, a community of people who were playing as big or bigger than me. I hooked my, hook my caboose to the trains of people who made me stand on my tippy toes. I.e., that's where, that's where Rhonda Byrne came. When Rhonda Byrne came, I'm in this place. I'm one of three women. I'm the only person of color. I'm the only African-American at the time. I'm one of three women. And there were like 42 books authored in that room amongst a group of 20 people. And I, I didn't have a book at the time. Time. They scared me. They were just a bunch of older, white, brilliant men and me. 
and I stayed at the table. I'm like, they might make me nervous, but I'm going to stay right here. Now they're my oldest and dearest friends, you know, but I stayed around people who, who required that I become a better version of myself. That's number two. Number three, secret sauce, secret sauce is I found dream builders in my personal community. So I found people, just a few, I didn't have everyone, but I found dream builders in my personal community that would validate the woman I said I wanted to be and support me. They would help watch my son. They would, they would help me, you know, when I got to juggle things, I found a village and I asked my village for help. And the fourth thing, is I was consistently in action all the time. I, Will Smith says, and I might butcher this up a little bit, but Will Smith says um, that the difference between he and the next guy, that the next guy will get off the treadmill, he's gonna die on the treadmill. And, and he talks about how I'm just not getting off the treadmill. And so I, 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 didn't, I didn't let up. I, I ran fast in the wrong direction and I hit walls hard. I staggered up, turned around, and start running again. I didn't sit down. I didn't lose faith that it was possible for me. So if you look at the 80,000 foot level, those are the things I did. I break it down a little more in some of my online programs because that's the number one question that I'm asked, Corey. Like I'm asked on Steve Harvey asked me that, Dr. Phil asked me that, Oprah asked me that again. Like people just ask me that in every interview. And I believe that success should leave clues. So, um, so I, I unpack exactly what I did. And I just have to say this to the beautiful sister who asked me the question, give, give yourself five years, give yourself 10 years, expect that it's going to take a while because as my grandmother says, baby, every dish that you love from me is made in the oven, never in the microwave. So commit to long-term. Wow. If I didn't have uh, two other questions from people, that would be a perfect, oh my God, that's so powerful as a, as a statement. That's a, that quote by your grandmother, life-changing. That, that was like a mind-blown moment there for me. My, and yeah. my grandfather uh, told me this, this, he said when I was younger, he said, do every job like you love it, even if you don't, and you'll become indispensable as you watch people get let go, and you'll move up the ladder as you watch them fall off. And yes. that always served me so well. And then a few years ago, I interviewed uh, Rain Pryor, and she said the, her grandfather told her the exact same thing. Wow, so, wow, 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 think, good I news. We need to listen to our grandparents as much as we yes, can. Yes, wisdom, 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 wisdom. Absolutely. So, Lisa, I said there was a, um, there's two other quick questions. One was uh, by Annalie Verster, and again, I hope I pronounced that right. Um, but her question was simply, what's your inspiration? Wow. My inspiration. Um, I love, I really do love watching the other side of transformation. I love watching people. I'm a, I'm a marathoner, so I get into anything and everything. And I'm, I, when I get in a relationship with you, when you're in a relationship with me, um, it's long term. So what inspires me is watching people truly make a decision take the necessary action, and then see the evidence of their decision. What inspires me are watching people create better, stronger, more exciting memories. 
Uh, I'm inspired by the act of service. I'm a servant leader, just a servant leader. I, I, I could do this in many different ways. I can do the work I do in ministry. I can do the work I do in villages. I can do the work I do for free. Um, this is just the way that I'm doing it um, because this is my assignment. But um, it's, I, I, I say that I'm a butterfly and I like to fly all over the world and sprinkle possibility on people. And that just, it, it, it's crazy because it feels good to them when they feel it. And it feels equally as good to me when I do it. It's, it's a, one of those few things that you do and doing it gives me energy. Wow. I love that. So Lisa, this next question, this is the, the last question uh, submitted from somebody else. And then I have a super quick question before we let you run off. But um, this is by a gentleman named Dan Hintz. And he's, I know he's coming from perspective uh, of from the speaking side of things. And so his question was, what is her tipping point? The moment that everything seemed to click into high gear for her path as a speaker and what led up to that moment? And I know you have, a, I believe you have a speaking program as well. So uh, I, I believe you share this with people also, but his big question I think is what was the moment that you felt that it all kind of came together? Yeah, um, the speaking career that I've built is, is mind boggling to me. Um, I spent 266 days on the road last year, traveling the world, running my mouth, autographing things. Um, and my speaking career took off when I began to understand, and, it's, and to your point, it's the techniques that I teach now. So I teach speakers these techniques that I did unconsciously. And I brought from my unconscious awareness to my conscious awareness, several techniques that I was doing. Pregnant pause, me with you, I, I named them now, me with you theory, uh, the valley theory, um, the audience connection theory, um, the verbal highlight theory. I was doing all of these techniques unconsciously, but I would do them rhythmatically on an ongoing basis. And what happened was every time I spoke one time, I'd get three more invitations. And then I said, what am I doing? One, so that I can always repeat it so I can grow my business. And I've been able to grow my business double digits every year for the last 16 years. And then secondly, how can I teach others how to do it? Because what I learned is my gift can be someone else's skill set. It won't look the same, but I can up-level your ability to, to not only be good, not only be great, but to be unforgettable if you know these techniques. And so uh, I begin to see my speaking career turn a corner and really catapult um, when uh, probably about 2013, when I didn't have enough days in the year to accommodate the speaking request. Like if I spoke every day, I'd still have to say no to 20, 30 people. And, um, and I began to look at what that was to answer your question, Dan, what led up to that? What led up to that was um, having my unique USP, my unique serving proposition, my fingerprint, um, and recognizing what that was. But if you want to know the secret sauce of the secret sauce, and if you're ever interested, um, I'm doing, I do speakers training. It's not, I don't think it's publicly on our website yet. So you can reach out to us and say, you met me here with Corey. Um, I'm happy to serve you. But I, I began to t look at the stories 
and how I told a story. And I realized that people were posting my stories. They weren't posting my content. They were posting my stories. And so even though I would give 20 minutes, 15 minutes of content, I'd have two, three minute versions of stories that would go viral. That would go viral. So Dan, there are multiple things that made my speaking career rise. I'm just going to give you one critical point that when my students step on my campus and they're speakers, authors, and coaches, we start with this technique. And that was, I could tell a story that would be riveting to the ear. So much so that everyone would share it. So much so that people would ask for it again. So much so that I would get hired because of the story. The content was great, but the story was so unique to me. So what I found is it's not just the story I would tell, but it's how I tell the story. And so now that's what I do, Corey, to your point. I teach people how to tell a story and how to discover their story because your story isn't a story. It's a moment. It's an incident. And then I teach them the skill sets to craft the, the incident into a story in a way that shows the audience, not tells the audience. So I, Dan, began to separate myself from the rest of the pack and kind of stuck out like this by the way I showed my stories. When I figured that out, because I didn't know it at first, I'm gonna tell you, it was my unconscious competence. When I figured out my gift, I began to use my superpower consciously. And then I began to teach others how to develop the superpower. So uh, there are several other things, Dan, but that's one of the things that you say, what's that thing that stood around? Go and look. Look at me on YouTube and look, look at me and look at someone else and look at me and look at someone else and go, what's the difference? And the difference is going to be the colorful, engaging ah, stories. And so I spend time crafting stories and teaching others how to do them so that they're just that. And then, the, then you build the content, you know, content has to be good as well. But that's one little secret, Dan. That's a, that's a powerful secret. Uh, yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. Oh, I can show you how. It, it might even be more than a little secret. That's a pretty big secret. It's uh, the secret sauce <laughs> from the secret lady. Secret sauce from the secret lady. Love it. That's awesome. So, Lisa, I said I have one last question. I need to finish with an almost equally big question as I started with, since I started with that big one. Uh, this one you've probably been asked more times, I would think, but um, what would you like your legacy to be or what do you feel it will be? Mm. Well, can I just tell you, Corey, every question you've asked me, no matter how many times I've been asked the question, I love the question because oh, it, it causes me an opportunity to look at it. Uh, so number one, Corey, I'm writing my living legacy right now. So I, I want to write two legacies. I want to write a living legacy. Then I want to write the legacy of my life. And so I, I want my legacy to say, and I've spent, I've spent hours on this question. You know, if you have to write a paragraph on a tombstone or on a wall plaque that said, here lies a woman who, you know, whenever my, my platinum level students come in, they're doing big work in the world, I tell them the first thing I'm going to do is, is kill you off. <laughs> the first thing I'm going to do is kill you off and we're going to write your legacy of what did you do in the world. Then we're going to reverse engineer and live out that legacy now, right? And so here lies a woman who. Um, here lies a woman who um, taught us how to be um, bold and unapologetic about a dream. Here lies a woman who um, lived the, and embodied the act of unwavering faith. Here lies a woman who showed us how to love 
from a cellular and a cellular level to look beyond skin, to look beyond culture, to look beyond religion, to look beyond geographical origin, and to look beyond social status and love each other um, internally. Here lies a woman who loved deep, she loved hard. She demonstrated that you can come from nothing and build something if you chose to. She showed us the true understanding of abundance. Physical, emotional, spiritual, relationship, and financial abundance. She chose to live her life as an example to us. She embodied the act of mastering your imperfection. Wow. So I have to say, I've asked that question myself numerous times. I'm going to say, uh, this may even surprise you, I've asked that question probably over 4,000 times. I've done mm -hmm. over 5,000 interviews, and I've asked that question over 4,000 times. And I have never had somebody that seemed to be as dialed into the answer. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, when you said I've, I've spent hours on this and time mm -hmm. on this, I can tell, which is yeah. awesome. I mean, so it's intentional then. You're not just guessing. So intentional. Because every day I get up and I go, you're writing your obituary today. You're, you're writing, you're, you're living that legacy. Are you living the legacy that you want told? And I, you see me, I'm intense, Corey. I take myself to the end. Here lies a woman who, you know, which can't be anymore at the end, right? Here lies, a, and so I'm grateful for the awareness. I don't talk about that with a lot of people because people get all freaked out when they think, you know, you know, they're dying. Well, just guess what? You know, we're on a path and there's a very, there's a very full embodied journey and, and, and that's a part of the journey. And so, I'm grateful for the question. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be reminded of the fact that your life is finite. Your life is finite. It will happen for 85, 95, 120 years, but it's finite. Your legacy, your memories, your fingerprint, your imprint on the world is infinite. It's your life, your, your alive life is minuscule compared to your, you know, we celebrate Dr. King now we'll celebrate Nelson Mandela for years to come. We celebrate um, Mother Teresa. We celebrate Mahatma Gandhi for years to come. Look, I, I, I was blown away when someone said, oh, Dr. King has, has been deceased for 40 years. I was like, oh, wow, he's, he's the reason why you and I are here right now. A black woman and a white man sitting, having a brother-sister moment. Man, his legacy is powerful. I just want to, I want to be 10% of that. I'm, I'm going to shoot for 10%. And I go after being a portion of the legacy of big people in my life. Nelson Mandela, Mahatma Gandhi, Cesar Chavez, Mother Teresa. These are the people. So I know I'm a servant leader because of the people I choose to chase, right? And so I go, I just want my legacy to be a little bit like theirs. I didn't just change someone's, the vibration of someone's life, the direction. So Amen. I thank, thank you for the question. And yes, I, have, I will always have that answer. <laughs> My pleasure. And that was awesome. So Lisa, of course, uh, the unofficial final question, but maybe the most important is somebody who's been listening to this insight, who's been hearing about the work that you do and knows that it could be about their speaking career. It could be about how do they go from maybe it is poverty uh, to prosperity in all areas of their life. So whatever direction they're looking to say, how can I learn from Lisa? Where would you normally direct them? Like, what is the kind of hub where you'd send them? Yeah, um, you know, I have a free link to an abundance webinar. So there's two things. Um, I teach personal development and I teach the technique of speaking. So there's two hubs, you know, because I, I, I've learned how to really niche and not be everywhere for everyone. 
Um, but if you are looking at your personal development and you're going, I want to stand in my abundance. I want to stand on my story, not in my story. I want to, and it's not that you have to be from a place of brokenness. It's just that you know that when you pour into you, you produce more in the world. And so I'm always working on my personal development. I'm always in, I'm about to go into a personal development workshop tomorrow and I'll be in it for five days. And uh, so I'm always doing that. So if you want to advance your personal development, then I would say go to um, www.imreadylisa.com. Again, that's imreadylisa.com. And that'll take you to a free abundance webinar. Look at it, get value from it. And then there's an online course that I created that's really detailed. I unpacked every little step. Almost every question you ask me today, I talk about that. But the difference is I give you self-work to do at the end of every module. And when you get to the end of the program, if you've done, you got to do the work. If you've done the self-work, your life should not look the same. Relationships should be uh, evolved a bit. Your mindset, your limiting beliefs around money, if you have them, you should have made some progress on that. And so this was the work I had to do. So that's um, I'mReadyLisa.com. And, and then if you want speaking, and you want to go, look, I want to learn from you. You know, so many people, you'll see over the next five years, Corey, I'll just go down a path of speaking, speaking and personal development. I've never done that before, but I'm quite aware now that millions of people have begun to ask me, teach me how to speak. Teach me how to move an audience. Audience of one, audience of five, or audience of 5,000. Teach me that that's me being, I need to be obedient to that. I resisted it for so long, Corey, because it was so easy. I didn't value it. I didn't think that it was what I was supposed to be doing because it was so easy. It was my natural gift. And I went, oh my God, I'm sorry, God, I'm tripping. It doesn't have to be hard for you. And so if that's the case, um, go to um, speak and write workshop. Speak, A-N-D, write, W-R-I-T-E, speak and write workshop.com. And coming up uh, in a few short weeks is an amazing conference that introduces everyone to the work, step on my virtual campus. You can do it from home. Do the live stream. You can do it from home and the comfort of your living room. It's me live on stage for three days. And it's a really juicy, unbeatable, mind-boggling, low, low, low investment. It's my give. It's my give to the world. I make it super easy for you to join me. Uh, it's in November, November uh, 1st through the, November 2nd through 4th. And uh, it's live stream. You can come from anywhere. And you'll see, I'll take you behind the black curtain even more. And I'll tell you what I did right and what I did wrong. I'll show you how to do it yourself. You'll practice before we're finished yourself. So um, any way that I can be of service, I, I look to say yes. And I look to start a relationship with you that hopefully will last and watch. I can watch you transform. Lisa, this has been an absolute pleasure. I knew it would be, uh, but so much so that even the interview went longer than I thought, which, uh, which that's always a good sign. So thank you so much for sharing today, for being so gracious, uh, for taking the time for us today and for enlightening our, and opening our minds. So this has been an absolute pleasure and I know everybody's going to so uh, learn from this, but also appreciate all the time you put in. So thank you again. My pleasure. I'm your sister in prosperity and in possibility. And when I say that I believe in you, and I love you, it's because I do. Take care. When it's
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.